Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete, the podcast presented by me, Emma Gannon, and I interview creative and interesting people about the internet and their careers and beyond. And today's guest I'm so excited about is Stacey Dooley. She's one of Britain's most loved documentary presenters and she's just a really great person and I wanted to get her on the podcast to talk about her incredible career making amazing documentaries that are watched by so many people and also her new book which is out now. Stacey's documentaries have looked at a variety of topics from sex trafficking to sex slavery to the dark side of tourism. She's looked at domestic abuse in the UK and she's made a three-part series for BBC Three lifting the lid on the global war on drugs. She's immersed herself in different groups with extreme ideologies and beliefs in her two-part series called Brainwashing Stacey Dooley for BBC Three and she's also travelled to Syria. She presented the critically acclaimed documentary Stacey Dooley on the Frontline, Girls, Guns and ISIS. Many of Stacey's documentaries have won the title of most watched documentaries on BBC iPlayer and they continue to reach a huge audience every time she makes a new one. Stacey released her debut book this year called On the Frontline with the Women Who Fight Back, which documents just some of the amazing women that she's encountered in the past 10 years of her career. You can order it on Amazon and I really recommend it. You really get to hear about these experiences in much more detail, a lot of the behind the scenes and all about the women that Stacey's met and the relationships that she's built with them. So in this episode, we talk about her new book, we talk about her career, and we just have a bit of a natter, really, over a cup of coffee. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you rate and review it if you like it. And thank you for continuing to listen to this podcast. Here it is. So I'm with Stacey Dooley. This is so exciting. I've got a copy of your book on my lap. We'll get into that in a minute. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Really appreciate it. Are you in the UK much? I have this illusion of you like always being away. Is this, am I really lucky to be (laughs) catching you at a time you're here? You know what? It sounds very rock and roll, doesn't it? Um, And I am away a lot of the time. Probably... Probably about eight months of the year, actually. Mm. So I've got a couple of things to do in the UK. And then I'm back off. I think next week um, I'll fly back off. So, yeah, it's nice to be home. Yeah. What's that like? Do you find that you do miss home after a while? Or do you love being away for a long period of time? I do, actually. You know what it's like? You're never happy, are you? So when I'm away mm. <laughs> on long stints, I pine for... You know, I actually, the older I get, the more homesick... Um, I become which is is very strange Um, so you're desperate to be in your own bed with your dog with your man surrounded by your own things and then if I'm home honestly for like a week I'm itching I'm climbing the walls thinking Mm. I want to go and do this I want to go and do that so very fortunate you know it's a huge privilege Um, no it sounds like it's like that balance of like kind of between the two for sure and you know it's I mean you can't ever really moan when you're traveling for a living I mean it's such a brilliant gig you know and you know despite the fact you know you might have a dodgy tummy or you've had the shits or you've been sick or you know you're working silly hours it's I'm so so lucky and I'm still loving it yeah. and I think whilst that's um how I'm feeling I just need to yeah mm. drag well, it to death <laughs> yeah well, well talking of that I suppose um for anyone who just sees what you're doing now sees the book sees all these incredible documentaries how did you get into it? I'm sure you've, you're asked this all the time, but it feels like for a lot of people who might be like, oh, I want to do something like that, it sounds, the jump sounds too big. Yeah. But you've obviously worked so hard to get there. 
Um, my career has been very unorthodox, so it was very um, organic actually. So essentially 10 years ago I took part in a series called Blood, Sweat and T-shirts and the premise was really straightforward. So they were after, BBC Three were after um, six consumers, so people who were obsessed with sort of fast throwaway fashion. And I was working at Luton Airport at the time, sort of left school at 15, didn't collect my GCSEs, never went to college, never went to uni. And I had no real appetite, there was no desire to um, kind of carve out a career, you know, and blood sweat gave me this opportunity. We went to India and saw firsthand how our garments were made. And I really enjoyed the whole experience, you know, the filming and the learning and the, the process was just um, a complete eye opener for me. Mm. And then actually the boss of the channel at the time said, oh, who's that? And they were like, oh, Stacey. And he called me in and said, you know, I found you um, uh, very relatable and I liked that you had empathy and there was compassion there and you were inquisitive, you know, you were asking questions or whatever, do you fancy your own series? And I was like, what? <laughs> um, so yeah, complete luck, really, right place, right time. But then after that, you know, working really bloody hard yeah. to make sure that the commissions kept coming. I love that because it's like you were just being yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah. You didn't really have an agenda at the time. I think often that's how presenters are found. Certainly, like there's a couple of new presenters at three who are very exciting. They're coming through, they're a bit younger than me. And I think there was no desire on their part to be a presenter, you know? So it was very natural and they were just, that's why they're so captivating because they're just being themselves, I suppose. Yeah. It's like if you went to a school how to be a presenter, yeah. you might, it might have taken away that stuff that made you what you are. Yeah, it can feel a bit traditional and a bit stiff. I mean, there's certainly a place for that style of journalism, but um, I think it's exciting to mix it up a bit. Yeah. Have you always been into observing people and being want to, wanting to connect with people has that been something that you were like when you were younger or because I feel like when I read your book I mean having all of these experiences all together you know you've you've done so much and to have that motivation remain consistent you must just love being around new people I do just love meeting people like I I do think that's that's true. I mean, I just I find everyone so fascinating and I do think everyone's got a story, however cheesy that sounds. And I actually enjoy interviewing um, kind of regular, you know, unremarkable people much more than I do kind of, you know, established highbrow politicians or celebs or because I just think, you know, you can they're so accessible and you can understand where they're coming from and there's so much that they say that you can say oh do you know what I was in that situation and x happened and so I've always been I suppose quite nosy yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I love it and um obviously your book is um I mean I said to you just now you know it's not like a light-hearted read at all but I learned so much from it and reading it sort of in your voice I think helped because you're talking about things that actually you could read about on like a really high brow like political website and I personally would find that hard to get through but coming from you and your experience I just felt like I just got a lot from it. Thank you Emma, I really appreciate that actually because you know what it's like when you're thinking about or you're toying with the idea of writing a book it feels so enormous and I totally underestimated how much work it would require, I was thinking I can do bits you know in between filming the documentaries but it became all consuming and I was desperate for it to read like I was talk, you know, I was talking, and I was sort of telling you my story, 
Um, so I'm delighted when people say, oh, we can hear your voice throughout it. <laughs> I think that's either a blessing or a curse, depending on who you are. But um, I didn't want to sanitise any of these really powerful stories. And I knew it would be a hard read. And there were people saying, well, you know, should we sort of cut it back a bit? But I think that's doing the girls a disservice. And I think you can just, you know, if it is too much, well, you are after escapism, perhaps you can sort of dip in and out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had to put it down, like, just for a bit yeah. after, like, one of the chapters. But I think it was because... I almost felt bad that I didn't already know it. And you'd gone out there and actually brought back these stories. And I think, yeah, it was just eye-opening. And, and I, f- I think I felt guilty that I didn't know too much yeah, about it. But, but... I, I used to, I, I know exactly what you mean. You know, sometimes we're, we're riddled with this Western guilt, aren't we? You know, mm. we're so privileged and we live in these bubbles. And we just don't always remind ourselves how unbelievably bloody lucky we are and I'm guilty of that I really really am and I should know better you know I travel the Wales and I meet these amazing women and then I can be back and I can be moaning about the gas or you know something really really stupid and really pathetic like that um, but I think as long as you're sort of there's an appetite there to know what's going on and you're trying to inform yourself and raising awareness and having these conversations I think we're playing our tiny part yeah 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 you know life here is far from perfect and there are things that need looking at you know gender equality broadly speaking pay etc but in my mind you know the Yazidi girls you know what they've gone through in sort of Kurdistan northern Iraq certain parts of Mosul I mean not being able to vocalize what you're going through they're enormous issues and we all need to get behind those girls as well how do you switch off from some of that stuff just because when I was reading it I kind of I almost like wondered what you would be like because I was like how can you see all that stuff and then be okay at the end of it but I'm guessing you you have to draw a line and sort of have a boundary there Uh, yeah it's a good question and um I'm often asked you know do do you carry it around with you because some of it is so traumatizing you must be sliding down the walls all the while but I think you've got to be mindful that and I do I do really believe this in my heart of hearts you know every time you're in a really hostile shitty situation I do meet the most remarkable people trying to counterbalance the evil you know amazing NGOs and people that are working three or four jobs just to make sure that they can do their bit to help people they don't even know and I think fundamentally there are more goodies than baddies in the world, so you have to kind of remind yourself that. But, it, you know, it, it can be draining. Yeah. But then you feel, you know, you feel like such a dick moaning about it being draining on you when you're not living their reality. So. No, that's really comforting to know that, though, that you do, along the way, you meet people that give you more hope. For sure. You don't just come away being like, that's awful and there's, then there's nothing we can do. Yeah, no, there are unbelievably brilliant people do you ever get compared to other people that make good documentaries? And how do you feel about that? <laughs> I do. And sometimes, I mean, one that's perhaps a bit predictable is Ross Kemp, you know, the female Ross Kemp. Um, I like Ross, you know, I think I didn't films... even know Ross Kemp did documentaries. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. As in... He does the most similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I always get confused between, like, Spandau Ballet Kemp's and yes. Ross Kemp. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. imagining... Um, Ross. Yeah. So, you know... Um, what was he in um, EastEnders? Grant. You know Grant. what I mean? Yeah, Penny's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like him, actually. I've met him a couple of times, but he's been doing docs for years. Yeah, very similar. Um, we've often used the same teams, actually, and the same fixers, like local fixers. 
Um, so I get that a lot. Every now and then, I mean, this is a lot rarer to be honest, but people say, oh, you know, in a couple of years you might be a bit like a female Louis Theroux, and obviously I'm grabbing <laughs> grabbing hold to that with both hands. <laughs> I mean, I'm under no illusion that I'm there yet, but he's a complete hero of mine. And actually I met him maybe last year, the year before, we were at the BAFTAs, and... You know when you're trying to play it really cool because you're so in awe of this person that's sort of stood in front of you, but my neck was going, you know, the rash <laughs> sort of creeps the creeping, up. Yeah. Oh, I can bear it. But he really, you know, he was very, um, very lovely, and you know, he gives great advice and um, he's very nurturing. Yeah, he's he's great. He's the best for a reason. I have so much respect for people that do it because you're kind of you're going out of your comfort zone. Like you could you could make different things that like would be better suited to your lifestyle or things like that mm. but I mean you get you get offered uh, there's a couple of girls at three as well that are really exciting and you know I really wish them the best of luck there's a young girl called Ellie who's doing some really great stuff and there's a girl coming through called Annie she's a sweetheart again very honest very raw very sincere um but you have to make in in my opinion you have to make documentaries that are worth watching um, otherwise what's the point mm. you know I could I could do lighter gigs for sure um, and I'm not I'm not saying that you know I'm this worthy earnest kind of individual that doesn't do kind of frivolous stuff it's you know sometimes it's nice I did Don't Tell the Bride because <laughs> I'm a huge Don't Tell the Bride fan for BBC3 and everyone's like what the hell is going on I was like oh I just need some escapism <laughs> man I yeah a couple of weeks off um, but I really enjoy the the darker stories and I think it's just so brilliant when you're able to give these girls a platform that wouldn't you know get the chance otherwise yeah there was a really interesting bit in the book about um how to get the word out there about the documentaries and yeah. um I thought it was really interesting when you were saying that basically uh who was it A.A. A. Gill wrote yes. a an amazing piece in the Sunday Times style uh sometimes not style <laughs> yeah, I like to think it was I like, I like to think it was very stylish um the Sunday Times uh, magazine or newspaper and um and that after that you know people kind of came flocking to you and they were mm. like it's you know it's so good and obviously it was so good but it was almost like that seal of approval to people sort are of so fickle people love like a kind of just to know that they can follow something and mm-hmm. it's been approved it's so odd you're so on the money you know a. A. Get, he was such a, a kind uh, generous man and you know he was saying i mean he he, he was very lovely about me. I remember him saying, you know, she ought to be on Panorama. You know, she's clear, she's concise. She knows what she's talking about. And I think all of his um, kind of associates, and not all of them, but a lot of his associates hadn't felt that way up until that point. And some of them had been a very derogatory, actually, you know, didn't understand how I had the audacity to kind of try and take on these current affairs-based issues. And I'm, you know, the older I get, the less I care about what other people think. I really mean that as well. It's, you know, I, I've proven myself. Um, they rate consistently well. And I think as long as you like yourself and the people that you're working with and spending time with like you and sort of rate what you're about, then that's it, man. It's, it's as simple yeah. as that. I mean, I just, I just appreciated him taking the time to kind of nod in my direction, I suppose, and just say, you know, keep going, girl. Um when lots of other people weren't weren't saying that um but it is funny I mean, you know people that sort of you know were 
sort of ratty about you at the start of your career are sort of emailing me oh how's you know how's things you know it'd be great to hear your your take on x and I think oh well <laughs> you were chatting shit a few years ago so <laughs> yeah I think I'll pass yeah. but um sometimes yeah. it takes that big bit of press for people to get in touch <laughs> Funny, isn't old it? school friends <laughs> Say lovely. Yeah. No, I thought that was really interesting because also I feel like in this industry, sometimes you can go out and do something and, and really be proud of it, but then you've got to promote it. Yeah. And it's almost like, well, what energy do you have left? Mm. And I thought that, I just, I was curious about that. Mm. I mean, we're quite lucky, I suppose, with, with the documentary, certainly. They they rate, and I'm so delighted because you work so hard, you know. I'm, I'm sure you've been in similar situations where you just give it everything you've got, you know, 16, 18 hour days sometimes with, you know, in very chaotic circumstances and you so believe in what you're doing and you're knackered at the end and you go home and you don't talk for a couple of days because you just sit there drinking tea. Um, but people tend to gravitate towards the the programmes Um yeah, we're yeah. often the most watched docs. So oh my god, yeah. Few. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to work like a lunatic and then no one watch it except for your mother. No, so they're, they're just doing so well. Very grateful. Um, and obviously your book was a t- Sunday Times bestseller. I know, I saw is. that on the list. I was so happy because obviously I got sent this book like an early version. I think I got given it um, just as like a word document because I was so keen to read oh, it. Oh, stop it. And then to see it on there, I was like, that's awesome. Like, it's just getting out there I know it's amazing and it's just I'm 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 genuinely so appreciative you know I can't I can't believe it's that imposter syndrome that we all suffer you know it's I can't believe people have gone out and bought the book I know that sounds ridiculous it looks so it's such a beautiful cover as well do you like it I mean yeah. we were umming and ahhing about the colour and it. I wanted something a bit more um muted a bit more subtle but they were saying no you want it sort of out there um, yeah but so maybe for the paperback, the you can. But no, it's 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 really eye catching. I saw it in foils the other day, and it's like you can't miss it. Da, da, yeah, yeah. buy me, buy me, <laughs> desperation. Um, but how did you? Because um, obviously, it's it's a meaty book. There's mm. a lot in there, and a lot of. Um, I mean, when I was reading it, I just thought it's it's incredible what I'm getting from even like a paragraph, let alone the whole book. So how did you write it? I'm sure people listening want to know. Kind of, yeah. were you on the road? Were you? Did you just like binge write it? How it was a you... slow process. So I think it probably took about a year actually, and um, my team were really, really amazing and really helpful. So if I'd be working in the office on development at the Beeb, um, I would meet up with my amazing lady Rebecca. And we would talk through, you know, what part of the chapter we wanted to focus on. Then we'd write a bit. I mean, I'm not um, very bright, like sort of, I'm not particularly academic. So my grammar isn't great and my spelling's a little shit. And, you know, she, she was just she was just so, so helpful. Um, and I'm so, yeah, I hope if we ever do another book that she'll be by my side again. So we would be meeting up in between you know meetings and in between my work and then I would be you know would be working on bits when I was abroad back and forth via email you know she'd come to my house a lot um, we'd meet in the pub if you know the dog was at home driving me loopy so it was a labour of yeah it was um it was tough but it was I look at it now and it was worthwhile yeah <laughs> definitely was <laughs> I can't believe I've written but you know I can't believe I've got a book yeah um yeah, it's were there any chapters? Were there any chapters more than others that you just kind of were a challenge? Some we had to tweak a lot, 
you know, would read it through and it, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just didn't feel right or it didn't feel finished or it felt um, too statistic. You know, I wanted there to be um, kind of concrete information. I didn't want it to be pure emotion, but sometimes that felt um, like it was overwhelming and so we'd be, you know, so I think there were two or three chapters that we just really couldn't nail for a while and then literally at the final, final hurdle, we sort of cut... Um, chunks out yeah. and it felt a bit a bit more sorted a bit more settled yeah <laughs> I love how it's spe- it is speckled with some sort of funny moments yeah like, I think there's that one bit that I love where um sorry I the, I can't recall the chapter but there's a family and I think they're talking in Swahili but they say your name with like a London yeah. accent yeah and then you were saying like how much everyone just cracked up on and and it's just those moments where you just think it sounds fun as well it, and you know it really is that's the fit you know and I was I was desperate to keep those moments in because I think, you know, from the outside, as an outsider looking in, some of the stories are so harrowing and the subjects are so enormous and, you know, it is tempting to be very kind of serious throughout the entire process. But, you know, it's true that when you're on location, you do have these kind of lighter moments and, you know, you're all human and you can all kind of laugh at the same things. I mean, the Yazidi girls are a perfect example of that. You know, they've been through hell, complete hell. I mean, systematically raped, abused, tortured. They've escaped. They've come out the other end as survivors, but they're still very tactile. And, you know, they grab me and kind of lock me in one of the bedrooms and put the music on YouTube and, you know, we'd be dancing about and they'd be doing cartwheels and leaping and then, you know, their trousers would fall down. You know, it was just, there were those moments that, you know, will stay with you forever. That was interesting because I was desperate to show that side of them in the documentary and I was sort of thinking, oh, will we put a GoPro in one of the rooms so they're not aware of the cameras? But then I thought, oh, that's probably unfair, you know, I don't want them to think that we're filming them secretly, but just to capture those beautiful kind of girly snippets, mm. um, I think are important. Yeah, yeah, and that that sort of brings it home when you said, like, you know, when you moan about little things, yeah, and then no, you see yeah. people who are, like, just full of energy and, and, like, happiness after something like that. Yeah, and it's true, you know, however kind of predictable it sounds, the people with the least will always give you the most. They re- they really, truly, honestly will. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. Does it change? Has it changed? To live by to try and live by. <laughs> totally. Has it changed your perspective on anyone, like, personally in your life? Like, are you just like, actually, I've met all these amazing people, and if anyone is being awful, it, I, d- I just wondered if your perspective yeah, had changed. Yeah, I think, do you know what? And I need to be, I need to be careful that, um, I don't turn into a dickhead but I do think you you become less patient with nonsense so I mean an example of this is you know if me and my boyfriend's on the phone and you know I'm in I don't know the Middle East or you know the Congo or somewhere quite mental and you know he'll be I'll ring him how how's things how's tricks how's your day been and he'll say oh you know I just wanted the parking ticket oh poor me poor me I'll be like I'll be like no 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 so like I'm so I'm so not about this conversation right now but then you don't want to be that idiot that sort of goes traveling and you know kind of bangs on about how righteous and how brilliant you know 
all of these individuals are so you have to try and make sure that you get the balance right yeah. <laughs> no totally I think everyone can be that person yeah. where they're like you know I've come come back from this trip and oh, you haven't seen what I've seen I'm and... enlightened <laughs> yeah I think no that's that's not okay that's yeah that's I can't go down that road. <laughs> no, it sounds like you've got a really good balance. Um, <laughs> but I had one last question, yes. which was, um, what are you excited about coming up this year? Obviously, your book is out and there's so much excitement around it and you're going away again, but I wondered what this year is looking like. This year's mental, actually. It's really busy. Um, it's that thing, isn't it, Emma? I'm sure you get it. It's like the the self-employed sort of panic you sort of say yes to absolutely everything and then you think I've got four days off this year yeah <laughs> um, I know and you realize that actually in hindsight you could have given yourself yay. a few weeks off but I know you, the world won't stop yeah um so I've just finished actually I've just finished a really fascinating series about uh the NHS so I don't know if you know but this summer is the 70th anniversary of the NHS mm. so me and three others it's for BBC One, prime time. We've uh, made a series where we're all working in uh, one of London's busiest uh, hospitals. I'm on the liver walls and the heart walls. Oh, my goodness. Um, so that that was incredible. Um, what else have I done? Was that... I know you can't give too much away, but w- was was it, like, really bad? Or was it kind of Do you know right, what? It was, it was... Do you feel differently about the NHS? It kind of confirmed what I initially thought which was you know the the NHS you know needless to say you know it's I don't think as a country we're particularly religious but I do think we are all extremely passionate and we all look at the NHS as the thing that perhaps a lot of us are most proud of that's the one thing that seems to be the common thread um and I I just you know the idea of it not being around in another 70 years would like fully break my heart I just think it's 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 just the safety net for so many people that it you know, really makes you love living here it really yeah. you're so, you burst with pride you know yeah. when you spend time in the states and you see what can happen if you're really poorly and you've got no money and having to like pay for an ambulance that was crazy. always like one of those things where I was like well it would never happen like where I live you know, yeah you would get you know someone would come and save you and yeah. it's like you take it for granted yeah you I think we massively take it for granted and so it's kind of a celebration of all the amazing people that work there and kind of looking at how awesome they are but also you know a front look at the state of of the NHS currently so wow that yeah. is I can't wait to watch that yeah when, when's that out? Thing. I think I think it'll probably be around July um did something in Belfast last week about punishment attacks so I don't know if if you know a lot about this I didn't until I started researching but it's kind of paramilitary style shooting so you know if kids are being a nightmare on the estates or whatever you know smoking weed or dealing weed or pinching cars they're given an appointment and the appointment is for them to go and get shot Um, oh my god and there's been a kind of a rise in, in these attacks so that was fascinating the the groups the armed groups will say that um it's a form of, you know, it's a punishment because oh they can't God. look to the police to take care of the communities and society as a whole. And this is happening in modern Britain, you know. So oh the kids, God. I mean, if, they, if they're if they kind of willing and if, if they attend their appointment, they'll tend to get a sort of flesh wound, so shot just above or just below oh the knees. God. If they don't play ball, then they might go through the kneecaps. That is horrific. Yeah. Madness. Especially as, like... 
most people have done though you know cool. everyone I mean, cool. has I mean, bad been badly behaved i mean me at 60 i i really you know i i was nightmare and <laughs> you just you know when you're a kid you're sort of you're finding yourself aren't you i mean they are terrorizing the communities you know i'm under no illusion that these are angels but it's it's a really really um shocking situation over there at the minute wow. and then yeah a few other bits and bobs doing something for children in need this year wow. so yeah go Amazing. go go yeah <laughs> incredible what are you doing working on your book yeah is it all done now finished uh yes and i'm yes. recording the audiobook amazing. in a few weeks which will amazing. be fun but um yeah just um carrying on with the podcast as well because amazing. this is sort of an accidental thing i did eight episodes to launch my old book and um yeah i'm on like a hundred episodes later good for you good but for you. i think podcasts are becoming just that thing where you know it's i didn't realize two years ago how much how big they would be now i know and they're it would be silly to stop they? it i mean i don't obviously do anything on your scale but I love talking to people. Like, I've come here to talk to you. Like, this is a great Monday. I know, what a treat. What I know, we're treat. so lucky, aren't we? Yeah, this doesn't feel like work at all. I know, we are. I know, we're going to get found out. Yeah. Sat here drinking teas, look. I know. I don't think imposter syndrome will ever go away. <laughs> I know. It's pathetic, isn't it? It's it totally is. pathetic because we totally deserve it. We've worked really bloody hard, but... Yeah. I know I was um, I was talking to a friend of mine actually who's just um, her book has just done really well and it's been on the bestseller list and she was like I feel like genuinely that like, I've done something terrible and so the police are going to come and take me away knock the door yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like you just described imposter syndrome in like I know the we best way do that let's not let's no, not do that no. thank you so much thank you Emma. and thank um, you your time. book is out now so <laughs> I recommend it thank you darling thank, thank you, you.